Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. That's what it is. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I, I'm pretty excited about today and next week because we are going to look at some accounts that you're familiar with, but I think maybe a little different angle this morning. And so, let me just start by saying this. If you've been around me over the last 20, 25 years, I attended a, a pastor's conference back in the, the 90s, early 90s, and heard a guy make a statement that got into my spirit. And so, if you've been around me, over the last 20 years or so, you've heard me make this statement. It is this. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. I am convinced, I'm more convinced than ever that that is true, that we literally have not because we ask not. Uh, our abundance and our lack are directly linked to our level of expectancy, whether you ask for it or not. I wrote it down this way. It is expectancy that gives us hope and the wherewithal to get out of bed every morning. Some, some of us, if we didn't have any expectation, we would struggle to get out of bed, right? I, I know yesterday may have been bad, but I'm expecting today to be better. So rather than staying in bed for the rest of my life, I'm going to get up and try this again, right? It's, it's that expectation that causes us to get up. It's expectancy that gives us the fortitude to hold on when everyone else around us takes an assessment of the odds and they say, give up. But because we expect, we continue to hold on. On the other side, it's the lack of expectancy that causes people to give up and embrace the outlook that there's no hope and nothing's ever going to change. If that's how you feel, then that is directly linked to your lack of expectation that anything is ever going to change. It's the lack of expectancy that causes people to settle and to make bad decisions. When you get into a situation where you don't feel like you have any hope and there's no expectation that it's going to turn around, it's in that moment that you'll make a bad decision. And so expectation is extremely important. I can't emphasize it enough. You've got to have a spirit of expectancy and expectation that you believe better days are ahead, that God is our, our refuge, that we can trust Him, that He's going to come through. Well, the, the, the Christmas account or narrative is full of expectancy. Now, the obvious target when you begin to talk about expectancy is Mary. We're not going to talk about Mary. Well, we are a little bit, but that's not, that's not our prime focus. We're going to go a different route. The, 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 the entire account is full of aspects of expectancy, and I think we can learn some things from the Christmas account. So if you will, since it's Christmas, would you turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to begin to read in verse 18. It'll be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Important little phrase there. We'll come back to it. 
But after that, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Can I tell you what happens in Christmas? I'm convinced of this. I, I think what happens in Christmas is we tend to we, we have this tendency to read the Christmas account and we forget that the players in that account are real people. They're not the characters of a painting or the characters that we see in, a, in an animation cartoon. They're not uh, porcelain sculptures that we see out in, on people's shelves and in their lawn. These are real people with real emotions, real feelings, and real responses. These are real folks. So we're going to try to get in their mind a little bit this morning. See, in the Jewish tradition, I kind of, I'm beginning to like this tradition more and more and, and thinking about maybe and even imposing it in the Ely household. Here's the tradition. Parents would arrange marriages, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah, I feel the spirit right now. <laughs> All right. Um, but, okay, those of you with daughters even feel more strongly about that tradition, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. See, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can handle. I don't know if I could have handled a daughter because I'd have killed somebody. I'd have killed, I'd have been in jail. Y'all would be visiting me right now in jail. But that was the tradition. They would arrange marriages for their, their children. And this was a long, drawn-out experience. Uh, the parents would make the arrangements. And then usually there was a year that passed. Word for you guys dating. Word. There was a year that passed. Okay. Uh, the reason they would allow this year to pass is it would uh, allow the man to prepare the house that they would live in. It allowed the woman to prepare her dowry. And so when a woman was betrothed to a man, it became a binding contract. In fact, from the account that I read to you, uh, even before there was ever like uh, a reception, before there was ever a marriage ceremony, before there were any bachelor parties or, or uh, uh, bachelorette parties or any of that stuff, they, they, they had already, because they had been promised to one another, they were already in a binding agreement. In fact, what you discover from this account was that even before there was a marriage ceremony, it required a divorce to break that agreement. Think about that a moment. That's how seriously they took this betrothal time, this, this engagement time, this arrangement. And so that's the backdrop that we read about. So I want you to think again about this account brand new. I want you to think about the fact that Joseph has been engaged to Mary now for some time. And I want you to understand that they've been working to prepare the we for the wedding day. Mary has been preparing. Joseph has been setting everything in order. And so there are expectations that have been embraced by Mary and Joseph. Joseph expects that Mary is his. Okay, now think, these are real people now. Those of you that are married, think back to how you felt about the one you're to be married to. She's mine. He's mine. 
she she is to be I'm, exp- I'm, I'm placing these expectations. This is Joseph. I'm expecting that she will be committed to me. I am expecting that she will be an untouched woman. I'm expecting loyalty from her. I'm expecting faithfulness from her. I'm expecting a honeymoon with just me and my wife. Don't want nobody else. Don't want any interruption. Okay, y'all are too holy. All right, he expects... He expects months to go by, perhaps even years to go by, where it's just him and her. I think while he's preparing the house, he's singing songs like, getting to know you, getting to know all the, right? Expectations. That's what he's expecting. So Joseph has these these expectations that he's placed upon Mary and upon the arrangement, and he has it all figured out how the process is supposed to go and how his life is going to play out. But there's an issue. Think about this now. Here's Joseph, and I'm going to read some of this because I don't want to miss some of the stuff. I tried to get into Joseph's head a little bit. Joseph is busy putting the finishing touches on the new home that he has been preparing for him and his wife. And all of a sudden, he's got his hammer pulled back to drive in a nail, and he hears that sweet knee-buckling voice that destroys his world every time. He's got the nail in hand, and he's about to hit it, and he hears the words, Joseph. It's her. I know her voice by now. It does things to me. Okay, y'all think it's just like porcelain sculptures. These are real people. He's been waiting a year. Okay, all right, all right. And Mary says, Joseph, we need to talk. All right, and Joseph turns around and he responds, okay, what's up, babe? And she says, well, funny you mention babe. Because here, here's the issue, Joseph. I'm pregnant. I, okay, I got to take some license here, but this is, I think maybe Joseph would have responded like this. I think he would have first blushed, and then I think he would have gotten angry. And I think his knees would have buckled again for an entirely different reason. And I think he would have responded something like this. What? You've been unfaithful to me? And then I think he would have stopped. And I think he would have said, I'll deal with you in a moment. Tell me where he is. Tell me where the guy is that did this to you. He knew this is a small town. He knew you were supposed to be mine. Tell me where he is, and I'll get back to you in a moment. But first, I'm going to deal with him, right? And then, and then Mary drops another little nugget on him. And she says, well, actually, Joseph, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, God did this to me. All right. We like to play like that would have made it easier for Joseph to comprehend and embrace. May I submit to you this morning that I believe it made it more difficult? 
So now, <laughs> I think what Joseph probably said was, really, Mary? Really? really? You, you really expect me to believe that God did this to you? So not only are you loose, but you're a liar. Okay, don't, don't deify Joseph or Mary. They're not God. They're people. So I think you're pulling the God card on me just to keep me from killing you and the guy down the road. So now I ain't playing that. You're lying to me. Just level with me. You expect me to believe that? Here's what I think he said to Mary. I think he said, you've ruined not only your reputation, but now you've made me suspect because you weren't pregnant when we got engaged, and now you're pregnant, and they're going to think not only that you slipped up, but that I slipped up. So Joseph is mad at Mary, and may I submit to you, I think that Joseph probably got mad at God because you can't expect what you don't express, but in this case, the expectations were known, and, it, and the expectations were still unmet. And so now I'm mad at you, Mary, and I'm mad at God, too, because you say he did this to you. I want to tell you this morning that, that uh, I'm convinced that it really didn't matter if Jesus had been conceived by the Holy Spirit or by Freaky Freddy down the road. The bottom line is, is that Joseph's expectations were shattered. The picture of perfection is gone. The concept of ideal marriage is fractured. All of his plans, all of the designs, all of his hopes are instantly forgotten. So my question on this Christmas morning, this Christmas Sunday morning then is this. What do you do when your expectations are not met? What do you do when your plans are railroaded down a different track? What do you do when you expected your marriage to be like the Huxtables? All the 80s kids said, all the 90s, all the 2000 kids were like, who are they? You expected your marriage to be like the Huxtables, and instead, when you examined your marriage, it's more like you're a perfect candidate for Dr. Phil. What do you do? What do you do when, when you expected your, your friends to remain loyal, but now when you feel the knife go into your back and when you feel it to turn, you turn around and look, and it's one of your friends that you expected loyalty out of, and you see the blood dripping off their hands. What do you do with that? What do you do when you expected your vocation to bring you peace, and instead you're stressed out, and you don't know how to stop the stress? What do you do when you expected all of your needs to be met by now at this stage in your life? I've done my duty. I've paid my dues. I've worked. I've tried to save. I expected all my needs to be met by now, and yet you're still in lack. Joseph can speak to that. His expectations weren't met. His expectations were unfulfilled. He didn't get what he expected. So what does he teach us? I think Joseph first teaches us this. Three things I want to tell you that I believe that Joseph teaches us. The first one is this, that, is that we must trust God more than we trust our own expectations. We trust God until there is a change that we don't like. 
We trust God until he deters us from our plan. And what Joseph teaches us, and I, re I recognize, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's revealed enough, although it is revealed, that it is a struggle. Joseph had a struggle. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. He did struggle with this. He's not, he's not some super saint. He struggled with this, but he still came to the place where he, he recognized that I'm going to have to embrace the fact that this change in plans is part of my assignment. I'm assigned even though this is not what I expected and my expectations don't override God's design and plan for my life. Think about Joseph again for a moment. He expected his son to be his son. And he expected his son to look like him. And he looked nothing like him. And instead, now, rather than meeting those expectations, now what he's doing is he's raising somebody else's kid. Think about that a moment. That's literally what he's doing. He's raising somebody else's kid. But he didn't allow his expectations to cause him to miss his assignment. He has an assignment. He is assigned to raise the Savior of the world. He is assigned to discipline the Messiah. Think about that. You're grounded, Jesus. That was his assignment. That was his assignment. He must have done pretty good at it because he actually taught him his trade. This is not what he signed up for. These weren't the cards he expected to get dealt to him. And yet, he, he was more faithful to, please catch this phrase, he was more faithful to his assignment than he was to his feelings. I don't like this. This is not what I wanted for my children. This is not what I wanted from my spouse. This is not what I wanted my job to look like. This is not how I planned my life out at 12 years old. I don't like the way this feels. And we allow our feelings to override and ruin our role. Some of you are missing your destiny simply because the route to your destiny looks, took a detour and it didn't line up with the map of your expectations. This isn't what I expected my husband to be like. This isn't what I expected my wife to be like. This isn't the path that I would have chosen. This, this is not the occupation that I planned for. has nothing to do with my degree. I spent, for some of you, 12 years, but more of us, four years. Get, I was wondering if you catch that. I, uh, I barely, but I hung on and I got through and I, I planned for to go this route. And now what I'm doing has nothing to do with my degree. My life isn't like what I drew up when I was 12. Some of y'all are going through some junk that you would have never dreamed possible. But the real question that you have to ask is this. Are you on the track he selected for you? Joseph's expectations were met, were not met, but he was faithful to what God called him to. Some of you need to quit missing your assignment because your assignment doesn't fit your expectations. The second thing I think that Joseph teaches us is this, is that we can't hurt out of hurt. 
Again, we take the, the humanity out of the, the text and we act like Joseph received, received the announcement of Mary's pregnancy and just blew it off and then got in step with it and was like, cool, whatever. He's one of those guys. Y'all ever met one of those guys? Cool, whatever. Nothing bothers him? No, that wasn't Joseph. I believe that if you read the text carefully, you can hear and you can see the pain and the hurt and the wound that Joseph experiences. In fact, if you read the text carefully, what you discover is that Joseph wanted to throw in the towel. He wanted to quit. He was a hurt man. Joseph was a wounded man. If Joseph had, had behaved like we would have behaved, he would have hurt Mary in return. Why do I say that? Because when our expectations aren't met, we tend to hurt others because we're hurt. That's what we tend to do. Joseph doesn't hurt her even though his expectations aren't met. In fact, the Bible talks about it, and he literally went out of his way to keep from hurting her. The Bible says that, that it doesn't say it like this, but, but, but it does. The Bible says that Joseph could have hurt her. He could have. You know how it says that? It says he was a devout man. What does that mean? It means he was committed to the law. Do you know that by the law, if he, he was so devout that he was trying to cross every T and dot every I and make sure that he lived up to the law, by law, he could legally drag Mary to the city gates, expose her for unfaithfulness to the city fathers, and could have been the first one to pick up a stone and kill her. That's what he could have done, legally, rightfully. And yet instead, he protects her, and the text, we don't like this part of the text, we want to blot this out because it doesn't match the little cute little nativity scene. He decides to divorce her quietly. So he's trying to protect her, but I'm still, I'm out of here. You messed up, Mary. I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I'm out. Instead, he decides to protect her. He divorce, he's going to divorce her quietly. And so as, as wounded, get this, as wounded and as embarrassed and as angry and as shamed and as brokenhearted as he is, he refuses to hurt out of hurt. I am convinced that what we most times do is we allow our broken expectations to become permission to create brokenness in those around us. Most of us, if we're not careful, when we have unmet expectations, we use our unmet expectations as ammunition against those who didn't meet our expectations. Uh, you don't measure up to my expectations of what a wife should be. So Katie, bar the door, I'm going to make your life miserable. Until you figure out how to clean the house the way I want it cleaned, there's going to be problems. I know, I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the couple next to you. Just let them know. You, you don't meet up to the expectations that I have for a husband. You don't meet the expectations I have as, as a friend. I expected you to call me. I posted on Facebook that I was struggling. 
my phone only works for Facebook. Apparently, it doesn't work for me to call you personally and tell you. So, but now you saw it on Facebook because you know the algorithm they have figured out posts certain things on every. And I'm sure that the algorithm pointed to you personally, and so I know you saw it. And you didn't respond. So you don't meet my expectations as a friend. So now I'm going to hurt you. When you need my help, and it did show up on my timeline, I'm sorry. You're on your own. My expectations of you as a son, my expectations of you as a boss, you don't meet those. So we allow our shattered expectations to cause us to shatter you. I believe that most of, uh, of the pain that is inflicted in life is inflicted by individuals who react to unmet and often unrealistic expectations. I expected purity, and instead you gave me a papoose. Y'all get that to peace? Y'all don't miss that. I worked for hours on, no, I didn't. Okay. I can't get no love. I expected companionship, and instead you all you do is you bring chaos. And I expected you to honor me. Instead, you treat me as common. Then because my expectations are unmet, even if they are unrealistic, I will set out on a path to hurt you because I'm hurt. Mary, you blew it. So you're on your own. Mary, you messed up. So I'm going to treat you like the second class wife that you are. And then it goes one step further. God, you let me down. And since I can't hurt you, I'll hurt the ones I can see. Joseph, as badly as he would have wanted to hurt God, God, you did this to her. She's telling me, she's telling me you did this to her. So I'm going to take it out on you. How am I going to hurt God? What am I going to do? How in the world, the God of the universe, how can I do anything to damage him? I can't. So since I can't damage him, I can see you. And so you become open targets, ready targets. And Joseph refused to hurt out of his hurt. And so my question to you on this Christmas Sunday morning is this. Who are you hurting? Even if they don't live up to expectations they may not even know about. Who are you hurting? Are you allowing the destruction of your own wishes and hopes to become ammunition that you now take and fire out at people that didn't meet your standard even though they weren't really sure what your standard was? Or even if they did know what your standard was, they tried to live up to it and they messed up. Some on purpose, some by accident. And you have a choice. You can either see that take place and you can be like Joseph wanted to be and hurt. Or you can step up and say, you know what? I refuse to hurt you simply because I'm hurt. The third lesson that I want you to learn this morning is this. And I think it may be the most important one of all. Because it answers the question, how did Joseph come to this conclusion? 
How did a guy go from being feeling betrayed and tricked and wanting out? How does a guy go from wanting to throw in the towel and divorce? How does he go from that to saying, you know what, I'm hurt, but I'm not going to hurt you? How does that happen? Can I tell you this morning? This is the truth that I think I've stumbled onto. And that is this. We need to have an explanation that trumps our expectations. God intervenes. The text says that Joseph is minding his own business, angry, hurt, shattered. My expectations are done. My life is never going to turn out like I thought it was. I thought she was somebody she's not. This is horrible. Her reputation is ruined. My reputation is ruined. And God intervenes. And the Bible says that Joseph has a dream. And in the dream, God explains to Joseph that this accident is his assignment. And the expectations, look what, look, look what happened. The explanation makes the unmet expectations endurable. Y'all missed it. Joseph gets an explanation that makes the unmet expectations endurable. How does he go from I'm going to divorce you quietly to now getting in lockstep and showing up in the nativity scene so we can make sculptures about him and standing there with a smile on his face because he's happy she's having a baby that's not his? How does that happen? Because God explained to him that even though this isn't what you expected, this is what I assigned and my, my, my question for you this morning is, is this. If your expectations have not been met, if your expectations haven't been lived up to, if your life hasn't turned out like you expected, have you even bothered to take a moment and talk to God and say, God, are you in this? Because what we do is we get so hurt and so caught up in our own emotions that we just make assumptions. God couldn't be in this. There's no way God could be in this. There, there, God, God, God is in control of all. He's sovereign, but he couldn't be in this. But I would submit to you this morning that God is so sovereign that he keeps pain on his payroll. He doesn't create it, but he allows it. Because there are some things in life that hurt us that he has plans for because he never allows pain to take place in our life that he doesn't have purpose for. And if we would stop long enough to say, God, are you in this? I didn't expect this relationship to ever end. But are you in this? I didn't expect my kids to act like this. But are you in this? I didn't expect that person to treat me like this. But are you in this? Do you Have you stopped long enough to get an explanation from God about what he thinks about your spouse? What does he think about your kids? What does he think about your job? What does he think about your life? Have you asked him for any explanation as to why? Because I would submit to you this morning that if you can ever hear God and him tell you the why, even if the why doesn't meet up with your expectations, suddenly that explanation can cause you to be able to endure unmet expectations. I watch so many people walk through life destroyed because expectations weren't met. And when you talk to them, you can tell they've never asked God one time why. Or they've asked and they've refused to receive the answer. 
because they like their expectations more than they like what God has to say. Some of you are fighting things in your life right now that you don't like and that you would throw the towel in on if you could. And you will go through all of 2016 and 17 and 18 and 19 miserable if you don't stop long enough to say, God, can you explain this to me? We act like God doesn't want us to know. I'm sorry. He's a good, good father. And his ways are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But he also says that we can take on the mind of Christ so that we can understand if we would just come to the place where we will accept an explanation that even doesn't fit my expectations, I'll receive it. I want to challenge you today to hear his explanation. What is the reason for the change in the direction you are now going through? What is his plan? Why did he allow this to, to, to take place in your life? Why is he allowing you to walk through what you're walking through right now? Listen carefully. Because what I want to say to you this morning from the Christmas account is this. About the time you're ready to quit. And about the time you're ready to give up. And about the time that you're so miserable you can't stand another day and I'm going to check out and throw it all away. If you would listen carefully. He would say, get back to work. Go raise. Go lead. Go love. And when you get an explanation like that, expectations don't matter anymore. Would you stand with me this morning? I wish that what I could do is stand in front of you this morning and say, all of your expectations are going to be met. Some of you young couples, it's going to be perfect. Some of you young parents, they'll always mind you. They will always clean their room. They'll always show up on time. always honor you and respect you. <laughs> yeah. You just keep expecting that one. You will always love your job. It will never stress you out. You'll love everybody you work with. You'll never get sick. You'll never go through any pain. Your car will always start. Your dog will always poop outside instead of inside. Your cat will come to you when you call. Your kid will never get hurt on a football field. 
marriage will never end. You'll never be like, man, I wish I, I wished I could tell you all that stuff. But I can't. Because we know that's not life. But what I can tell you is this. If you would ever listen, if you just listen, a good, good father that loves you more than you love your own children, think about that statement right there, has a plan. If you would listen close enough, he might just explain enough. He won't explain everything because you can't handle it. I can't handle everything. But he will explain enough to keep you going one more day, one more step, one more counseling session, one more hard conversation, one more week of worry. He'll keep you going if you'll trust him more than you trust your expectations. And if you won't reach out and hurt because you're hurt, his explanation can override your expectations. I want to pray with you this morning and then I'm going to give an altar call and give you some time because I know we got some folks in here that are battling unmet expectations. And I think on a Christmas Sunday morning if he explained once, surely he would be willing to explain again. Father, this morning I pray for the people under the sound of my voice that are battling through days of unmet expectations. Some of the expectations they have are right. They're right. They should expect loyalty. They should expect faithfulness. They should expect grace. They should. And yet they've still been hurt. Because people let them down. There are others of us in this room that have unrealistic expectations and we've held people to standards that they could never meet. There's really no difference in the two, in the outcome. The outcome is simply this we're hurt, we're broken, we're discouraged. We didn't expect life to be like it is right now. And we want to quit. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. God, I prayed this morning what you would do in this moment is that you would allow us to get past our feelings so that our expectations don't cost us our destiny. God, I pray this morning that you would make us so sensitive to your, your voice that we would just get one word from you that would explain enough so that it would produce new hope in us and we would be able to keep doing what you've called us to do. We wouldn't miss our assignment. Instead, we would be revitalized and renewed. And, and just one word, just one word of explanation, one word of explanation that you're still sovereign, one word that this is part of your plan, one word that what I'm going through has not been missed by you. You weren't asleep that day, but you're aware of my situation. And one word, maybe it's simply you calling my name. Maybe it's simply saying, stay. 
maybe it's simply one word that comes to me that says, hold on. Maybe it's just one word that says, finish. God, we need a word. I ask you that you would give a word to folks today, an explanation that you're with us. This is how I want to do this this morning. If you're here and you'd say, Steve, my expectations are broken. My expectations have been shattered. Some of y'all are scared to respond to this because you think that by you moving, we're going to make the assumption that you're talking about the person sitting next to you. They let me down. No, 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 no. The truth is every one of us have unmet expectations. But you're brave enough and desperate enough this morning to say, I'm shattered, my expectations are not being met, and it's brought me to this point in my life where I want to give up. And you guys are singing about hope, and I don't have any. This is not what I bargained for. But I want a word from God that will sustain me. If that's you, without any further waiting, would you be brave enough and real enough to step out and come and find a place to pray and let somebody come alongside of you and encourage you? Somebody that has unmet expectations, because we all do. This is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not where I thought I would end up. Just a moment longer and then I'm going to give you a task. How many of you standing out here right now would say, Steve, I have experienced unmet expectations. Raise your hand. Every one of us? Then we know what they're feeling because we've been here. Can I tell you that if you have survived that and you're on the other side of that, now it is your responsibility to go back and help somebody that's going through what you went through. In fact, the explanation may be you. What do you mean? What I'm saying is, is that by the fact that you've survived that and you're on the other side and you've overcome it, you are now a living testimony to these folks that if you're going through broken, shattered expectations, look at me. I was in your spot and I survived. So you can too. A new day's coming. There is hope. You're going to make it. God is in control. He won't let you down. Would you do this? those of you that have endured that and survived, would you come, as many of you that can, would you come and get a hand on these folks right now? Some of them in desperate situations, desperately needing just one word. Listen, don't ask God to give them a paragraph. Just pray this one simple prayer. God, give them one word. Just give them a word of hope. One simple word of hope. A glimpse. One little taste will do. One little taste is all I need. It'll keep them going. 
If you're still standing back here, would you do this? Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? And together, would you in agreement begin to pray for these as we pray for them this morning? God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Oh, 
believe it would you lift it high this morning oh hallelujah our god reigns he still reigns and hallelujah he still reigns forever all our days hallelujah come on let it ring this morning Father, over this congregation and all the different places in life that we find ourselves, I ask that over this Christmas season, much like Joseph, I pray that you would interrupt our day, interrupt our night, interrupt our hustle and our bustle, and give us a word. One word that would set our feet in the right direction in this coming year. One word that December of 2016 we can look back 
and say from December 2015 to this day, this word has kept me. This word has enabled me. This word has strengthened me and allowed me to be able to endure everything that I have gone through this year. I pray that you would accomplish that in the lives of your people so that, and I don't know why this scripture keeps rolling over my spirit, but so that like the word says in the Old Testament, that a soldier shouldn't brag when he puts his armor on like the one who takes his armor off. Meaning that it's not enough that we start well, it's how we finish that matters. And I'm praying that we would get a word today throughout this season that would allow us to be able to finish well in the path that you've chosen for us. I pray that we wouldn't just talk about starting the path, that even when we're enduring painful moments and painful seasons, prolonged seasons of pain, that when it's all said and done, we would be faithful to that word. And like the soldier that can brag, we'll be able to take the armor off and say, I did everything I was supposed to do, and I finished well. I ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Pastor Woody. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.